and welcome to the Dog Logical Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Rhodes. And I'm your host, Cassie Dixon. Join two dog nerds and our guests, giving you tips, tricks, and busting myths aimed at making sense of your dog's behavior. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Dog Logical Podcast. It's Renee here with Cassie. Hello, hello. And today we are going to talk about how to reduce barking, both inside and outside the house. Um, I feel like this is <laughs> this is the podcast everyone has been waiting for. Oh, my goodness. I Sometimes I just want to cower away from the questions about barking because there's always so many. And sometimes I feel like our expectations are so unrealistic when it comes to barking and dogs. So maybe that should be our, our, our intro to the podcast. Should it just be us barking? I feel like that would be. Well, <laughs> I did some YouTube. What you don't do. yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I did um, some YouTube yeah. videos and um, it actually, my intro was a barking dog and the amount of comments I got from people saying uh, it was actually a video about barking. <laughs> I couldn't even watch this video because my dog hugged the button. I was like, oh yeah, my bad. Like, you know, Renee, what is wrong with you to do a video about barking and start it with barking? Like, oh man, we all make mistakes. <laughs> oh, too funny. It's the best when it's, you know, you're in, say you're driving down the street, you're like in your vehicle. Cause that's where I always listen to my podcast is always on my commute to work. So, you know, say you have your dog in the vehicle with you or something and you turn it on and then they're just like at the windows, bark, 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 like, oh my goodness, I couldn't imagine. Yep. We all make mistakes. We're not, we're, so we're not going to do that one then. I like that. You've, you've made the mistake for the both of us and we'll avoid it entirely. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely a question that comes up often. Um, in fact, I have, um, I have a resident barker. I have two of them. Uh, my guy loves to bark at the door. Unless no one's home. If no one's home, he never barks at the door. But if there is anyone home, he barks at the door whenever someone comes to the door. Even if it's like we have a push button to enter the house. So it's, you know, you dial a little pad, which unlocks the deadbolt. Um, and he'll hear the first tone of the first key. He's off the couch and he's barking at the door. And uh, then my, my roommate's dog does the same. She very much does bark when the dogs from our tenant downstairs get taken outside. Um, she'll run the hall and bark, bark, bark at them. So it's a regular occurrence. And like, I have to say it, we have to say it. Barking is natural and normal. Barking is a behavior that all dogs display. If you expect to have a dog that doesn't bark, get a Basenji. But other than that, you're not going to find one. Dogs bark. It's something that happens. But um, steps to reduce that barking, I guess we'll start there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad I was like itching, itching to say it like, come on, <laughs> come on, bring on the dogs, communicate. I will admit as a dog professional, the number one thing that is really hard for me is barking. Like it goes straight through my head and it's, you know, it's, I find it really annoying. And as a dog professional, I feel like I shouldn't, I shouldn't say like, it's, you know, it's part of the job, but it is it. I get why people get upset with it. And especially with lichen, you know, sometimes he will randomly bark if there's something in the yard and it scares us. Like we literally jump out of our skin, like lichen, like, you know, we don't even mean to do it, but it's just, so I get yeah. it. I get it people, but we have to remember it's communication. I think where we can start is probably looking at finding the motivation. So the barking is communication, 
But what is, what do you think the motivation behind your dog's bark is? And I think if you can figure that part out and, you know, critically look at it, not just say, oh, he doesn't like the mailman or, you know, why doesn't he like the mailman? Is he uncomfortable with the mailman? Is he startled? by the mailman? Has he had any bad situations with the mailman? There has to be a motivation behind it. It's not just a, you know, I bark because I can bark. Although sometimes maybe, but that might be boredom. (laughs) And that's your motivation. Yes. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And I think it, it's, again, I'm going to be the hard to to swallow pill lady today, I think, because um, sometimes it's genetic. Sometimes Mm -hmm. genetically speaking, barking is a breed trait for your dog. Um, So that also factors into things because if you get, say, a lichen, you get a shepherd, are you expecting a dog that might you know, that isn't going to alert bark. They're not going to bark just to warn the family that something's there. Right. Um, so that also probably going to be <laughs> fairly often that it's also part of, you know, the motivator as to why, right. That motivator of breed and genetics are going to be an aspect for sure. And I think absolutely using that example of the mailman, like does your dog just really want to meet the mailman can also be a big aspect of it too. There are a lot of dogs that will bark because they don't understand how to appropriately socialize in that situation or bark out of over arousal or excitement rather than a history of not great things or fear or discomfort or whatever. So absolutely finding that motivator is going to be the number one. Yeah. And I think as well, you know, if your dog tends to tread more on the nervous side, it can be, they, you feel like, wow, they're barking at everything. Or, you know, the classic is like, he was barking at nothing. Dogs have superior hearing from, dogs are far superior anyway, but dogs have far superior hearing to us. So the thing that you didn't hear, you know, that imaginary thing that they're barking at, very real for the dog, you know, so they may have heard something that you haven't heard, you know, your feeble human ears can't really pick up, you know, saying that your dog is barking at nothing. Again, is there something that your dog can hear? And is that causing your dog discomfort? So a fearful Mm -hmm. dog is going to bark a lot more than a dog who isn't fearful. So that's something to consider as well. And if you're not addressing the underlying discomfort that your dog has. Right. So making sure that you're really looking at those things, not just in the moment of the barking, what's going on, but also like the antecedent, what comes before that barking. Uh, Cause sometimes it could come 20 minutes before it could come, you know, it really depends for your dog. So those are hugely important things. You definitely hit the nail on the head there. And I think that also, with, you know, say, like you said, using um, methods that are going to honestly motivate your dog to continue barking can also be a problem and people don't necessarily realize they're doing it. Um, I say it to my partner all the time because when my guy starts barking, the first thing that happens is Norco, enough, right? We get that, like, you just don't <laughs> want to hear it. So you bark right back. And the moment I say that, the, but you're barking right back or you're barking along with him. It kind of like for a lot of people, it clicks and they're like, oh, oh, wait, yeah. that's what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not communicating to him that I don't like it. I'm just also barking along. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're harmonizing with your dog when you just start yelling, when they start barking. So that can be something really important to like learning history matters as well. Um, and so if your dog has been a, a long time barker, you know, this is a chronic problem. That's where it kind of comes in 
to also looking at those aspects because it might mean that it's going to take a little bit longer to reduce it. Extinction bursts will happen. Those are the words that I'm looking for. <laughs> so even if you get a appropriate like behavior, you know, you're starting to see that that barking is going away when those extinction bursts do happen. So your dog, you know, your dog's been really great for a long period of time just to kind of explain an extinction burst, but your dog, you, your dog's getting it. They're starting to learn not to bark. Um, the barking is being greatly reduced. You're barely ever seeing it. And then the one time it comes back tenfold and we make the mistake of repeating past responses that aren't helpful, we can get that behavior back tenfold. So that's also really important, I would say, is to make sure that, you know, there's an understanding that barking is one of the more difficult behaviors to remove because sometimes we can create patterns with it. Sometimes we can teach the dog to bark when we want the opposite. Uh, sometimes we can bark right along with them. So definitely finding that motivator. Would you say that there's specific motivators that you see more often? I work with a lot of dogs who have some fear, um, anxiety, and stress. And I think for me, that's, that's usually the highest motivator is that the dog is uncomfortable with things that are going on outside. Maybe they don't understand, or maybe their previous, you know, kind of triggers, or, you know, we think about rescues when they arrive, especially foreign rescues, some of the sounds that they experienced in their, um, like I had a dog <laughs> who was a rescue. Um, oh, where was he from? I can't remember, but he was a foreign rescue and he had issues with hearing buses but he had no issues with fireworks. So, you know, when we're talking about hearing traffic, maybe he didn't hear traffic, but where he was from hearing kind of booms and stuff like that was, it was normal. So looking at, you know, that kind of motivating factor, is your dog uncomfortable? That's primarily what I, I see. Um, the other thing to really mention is like, is your dog getting enough stimulation? So is your dog being mentally, you know, stimulated? Are they having things to break up their day or are they barking because maybe they are bored, you know? So uh, making sure that we're meeting our dog's needs, um, you know, getting them some physical activity, getting them some mental activity and making sure that they're getting enough sleep. Those are key factors as well, because if you're a little bit irritated, maybe you're a little bored, you know, you're going to find things to bark about. You're going to find your own entertainment. So I think for me, that's those two is it a dog who is generally, you know, fear or stressed or a dog who isn't stimulated enough. What, what do you think? What do you encounter? Yeah, I would say those are definitely two of the bigger ones. Um, Honestly, one of the ones that I see the most is a reinforcement history. So a dog that barking is a learned behavior for them because it gets them attention in those moments, like, you know, barking back or whatever the case may be, they've learned that their, their person doesn't deal well with barking. So they immediately respond when their dog starts barking. So then the dog learns that that immediate response is granted. So they have a need that they want to be met and they're trying to communicate it, but their person doesn't necessarily know what that need is or hasn't necessarily learned how to find out what that need is or look for the motivator in those moments, I think is one of the, the bigger ones. So I think that kind of falls into the category of boredom sometimes, but it can also definitely fall into the category of, you know, my dog started doing it as a puppy and I thought it was adorable. So I barked along <laughs> with them or I howled with them or I whatever. And now it's become a learned behavior and 
by the time you're frustrated by it or don't want to hear it anymore or say, you know, it was fine when you lived in a four bedroom house in the country, but now you live in a condo downtown and you need to stop this barking like that changes things. So yeah, I would definitely say those are, I probably align with you fairly well as to the, the reasons behind a lot of the barking that I see. Um, I work primarily with a lot of rescues and dog fear and aggression issues. So barking because it is a fast response, typically, um, it can often be one that we see sometimes first in dogs that have learned to either skip or avoid other signals or behaviors or to the other point that people just don't see them or don't recognize them as they're displaying you know whatever it is they're trying to convey or communicate in those moments then the barking comes and then they get something out of it right but yeah yeah, it's definitely it's a mixed it's a it's a mixed bag I think I think that really nicely brings us on to what are some ways that you feel that we can help our dogs with barking as far as let's start with maybe inside the house. How would you go about maybe speaking to a client about improving their dog's barking? Yes. So like you said, meeting those needs, finding out, making sure that whenever barking starts to happen, you have, um, whether you're a visual person or not, sometimes a checklist is really, really helpful. If, you know, your dog starts barking, we're going to check, um, you know, has the dog had water? Does the dog have food? Are they hungry? Has the dog's meet needs for enrichment and exercise been met? Has the dog's needs for sleep been met? So exactly what you kind of already went over, but in the moment, those are the things I'm going to look at or ask my client to look at. Um, and then it would come down to, okay, if all of those needs are met and we, we can't find a reason there, which tell you the truth is kind of rare. Um, it's not all that often that we, you know, that we have absolutely met all of our dog's needs. Um, one of the first things I always tell my clients is that when they do have a dog that begins to vocalize or whatever the case may be, um, the first thing I always ask clients is have you acknowledged your dog? when they do that. So, and I don't mean, you know, jumped up and yelled at them or didn't done this or done that. I will almost always acknowledge my dog the first time they do something. So if my dog starts to bark, I'm going to turn and I'm going to go, what's up, buddy? What do you need? And I'm going to see if my dog is going to show me or offer that there's something motivating them already because sometimes my dog will start barking and I'll be like what's up buddy what do you need my dog is going to start wagging his tail he's going to do a play bow he's going to go to his toy bin he's going to grab a toy and I'm going to go ah okay we're bored we need to play let's find something to do um so I always ask people to acknowledge their dog in that moment because sometimes we forget to do that we forget to acknowledge that they are a sentient being and we need to kind of pay attention when they have those needs and things like that. So acknowledging your dog is usually my first step. And then if I don't get an inkling as to what that motivation is, um, but I believe that maybe my dog has like, has a learned behavior, because often this is what a lot of people come to me with. Well, my dog's barking at nothing. We can't figure out what it is. And I'm going to go, okay, well, let's rule that out. Let's rule out nothing. And so in order to rule it, nothing, we have to acknowledge our dog first. If we acknowledge our dog and we get a response, we get an answer. Well, we know it wasn't nothing. We know there was a motivation behind it. Um, And then if we then decide the dog continues barking and we ignore the dog, does the dog continue to bark or does the dog stop barking? If we've acknowledged the dog and now we ignore the dog and now the dog stops barking, well, maybe, maybe it was nothing, right? But that is almost never the case. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever had that kind of situation? 
I mean, I love when you said acknowledge because that's one of the first things that I teach is, you know, your dog and that's the, the quote unquote demand barking. So like I say to them, you know, you might've heard the term demand barking, or you might feel that it's a demand, but really we want to run down the list of, um, do you have food? Do you have water? Have you had some enrichment today? Have you had some physical activity, you know, run down that critical thinking ladder of all of those things that we could think of. So, you know, and the acknowledgement, like when you said that, I just wanted to be like, yes, I love it because it is communication. So, you know, oftentimes, exactly like you said, if the dog is barking and you acknowledge that communication, that, you know, that's kind of, there have been signs before that, maybe that your dog needed you, or maybe they've learned bark is the easiest way to get her attention. So, you know, acknowledging it and moving on from it so that you can proactively problem solve with your dog to have that communication you're right. I mean, most of the time we can get the dog to, you know, stop barking just at that point where we go, what do you need? Okay, let's do it. Or if I can't do that, I'm a big fan of um, telling my dog. So, you know, I do a lot, almost everything I do is virtual. And if I'm with a client and I'm in the middle of talking to the client and, you know, Nero comes up and boops my arm, you know, I will, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try to kind of keep going with my thought to my client. And then in the space, I'll, you know, say, what's the matter, baby, we can't do that right now. So please go lay down. And, you know, I just have to whisper that to him and he will go and lay down because he said, thank you. You've acknowledged me, but you've also communicated to me. And of course this takes practice, but you've communicated to me that not right now, please go lay in your bed. So I've used some key terms in there and I've also said to him in a very kind way, and then I've taken my attention back to my client and you know what? He goes and lays down on his bed. So it's not a bark, but you know, he has a very strong nose boot. <laughs> so, you know, that communication for him, he's not a big barker, but that communication for him, he's been acknowledged. And then he can do something with that information that I've given him, you know? So if we can acknowledge our dogs and we can work down that critical line thinking, you're right. You know, do we get to those other exterior things? Not that often because we usually find it within that area if we're looking for it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I, I find the exact same thing. If we take those, even just those first two steps, acknowledge, ask a question or acknowledge, wait for a response. Like even just those two things, I want to go out on a limb and throw out some crazy statistics that probably aren't real and say 85% of the time you're going to get your answer. <laughs> um, if, if that doesn't resolve your issue and you don't get your answer and there are still issues, then we look at context. So one of my first things is, is I often find that there is a, a noise or a visual stimuli that the dog is barking at. So oftentimes one of my first things is as well, do we have a way to say it's a visual stimuli? Say it's the mailman, like you said earlier, do we have a way to reduce the instance of seeing or viewing that trigger? And by doing that, um, we can kind of remove the trigger so that we can work a systematic plan to desensitize to it or whatever the case may be. So one of my first things is going to be, you know, do we have window film? Do we have curtains? Do we have a way to block the view of that trigger if it's an out, out, outside the window or whatever? It's the squirrel running up the tree or it's the mailman coming to the door or it's other dogs walking by the house. Um, and oftentimes people will kind of be a little, a little upset when I ask them that, like, 
have we have we blocked that and they're like well my dog loves looking outside and i'm like uh-huh so isn't that part of the problem <laughs> so it's kind of one of those things like it's we we kind of sometimes have it in our head that if we remove triggers or you know remove the visuals or whatever the case may be that we are reducing our dog's freedom or enrichment and that's just not the case in a lot of these situations um what it is is it's environmental management so that we have more opportunities to reward better behaviors or to you know implement response substitution or whatever the case may be in those moments um so yeah if it's something like a, a visual stimuli those would be kind of my first steps is trying to see if we can block that visual stimuli what options do we have to do that um and then if it is a um sound or something along those lines that we're hearing or sorry, your dog is hearing oftentimes, like you said, our dogs have much, much, much better hearing than we do. So we might not even be hearing those. So they can be a little bit more difficult, but there are ways to kind of combat those as well, especially if it is a situation where, you know, your dog uh, begins barking only when you're not home and we can't find a trigger or whatever the case may be. There are things like, you know, putting on uh, white noise or music or a YouTube channel for your dog or whatever the case may be. So those are a few of the steps that I kind of look at. Do they align with what, what you would typically do? Oh yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, managing the environment as much as possible, even so much as like closing a door that gives access to a window where your dog has a vantage point and they sit and yeah, they are doing a lot of, you know, looking and it is, it could be nice, but also, as you said, like that's giving them the perfect opportunity to practice that behavior that you, you don't like, you know, so even something as simple as closing a door, you know, it's, it's those kind of things, looking at your environment, thinking how, how can I modify this to make sure that my dog can't get to, or can't have access to the thing that's driving me crazy, you know, closing a window, um, adding window film, uh, baby gates, you know, even just so much as with Lycan, what we had to do is when he, he's in a crate at night because he enjoys his crate, it's almost like a, a sensory deprivation room for him where he can switch off because he's, you know, he's a high drive working shepherd and at nighttime, you know, he gets to go in there and we cover the crate. And he, before that would have a lot of barking issues in the middle of the night. So the whole entire room, it's a conservatory, it's all glass. We covered that in window film and his crate is covered at night. And you know what, just making those small tweaks, he doesn't bark Hardly ever we hear him bark in the middle of the night now and he gets really good rest. So, you know, that's another thing is, is your dog getting, did your dog get enough rest during the day? Can they get enough rest? Are they too consumed with what's going on around and outside the house? Um, so yeah, manage your environment is one of the easiest ways to be able to prevent your dog from practicing that behavior. The easiest, and sometimes it's those simple things that really make a difference. Yes, absolutely. And that sometimes you can find, like, like you said, it's going to make a big difference. And sometimes you find that it actually managing the environment can put an end to that behavior, mm. not even just slightly help it, but sometimes it can completely put an end to that behavior. And then you found your solution, right? Is just that little bit more management that your dog needs that maybe your last dog didn't or whatever the case may be. Um, and 
if you really want to drive it home, there are obviously other ways and like reward based games you can play or response substitution or um, one of the big things that I have used a lot because a lot of clients love to teach their dogs to bark um, is actually like teaching a quiet cue um, where you teach your dog to bark on cue first and then you teach them what a quiet cue is and what it means. And that can also help you in those situations so that, you know, because we're human 99% of the time we are going to respond. Right. Um, I find that even like I regularly do, like you said, if your dog startles you barking at something and you weren't expecting it, like your first response is be like, Oi, what are you doing? Like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> why are you barking? Right. And yeah, I do that constantly with my dog or, you know, my roommate's dog as well. I will call them, try to get a, you know, a recall in the house. And then when I do, we pet and we play and we have a party and things are great and whatever. And that can greatly reduce some of that barking, but it's not always going to remove it. So there are a lot of different things that you can do to practice quiet and practice calm and practice the opposite of barking or behaviors that your dog can't do while they're barking. Like, carrying something in their mouth or whatever, which my dog has honestly learned to bark with toys in his mouth. He thinks it's hilarious. I think it's the most frustrating thing ever. He does it like all the time. <laughs> when he gets really excited, he'll bring a toy to the door when someone comes in the door and he'll just bark with the toy in his mouth. And you're like, oh Lord. Okay. Um, so there definitely are things, but for me, I personally say one of the biggest things that I have found that's helpful for a lot of people is actually not necessarily changing the behavior for your dog, but changing your response to the behavior. So yeah. that barking behavior is triggering for you, right? Um, maybe you get constant headaches. Maybe that creates a lot of problems for you. So um, barking is just something you can't stand, but there are ways for you to change your your own conditioned emotional response to that barking. And I have found personally for me that that can be helpful because I know my dog's going to bark. And honestly, I, I don't, I don't really care that my dog barks, but sometimes there are some days when I absolutely don't want to hear it. So I've tried to find coping mechanisms and skills for myself so that it's not just all about getting my dog to do what I want my dog to do. It's also about me learning to live with my dog for all that my dog is with his full personality all of the time and without trying to suppress those behaviors and i think that that is also a really important step for a lot of people myself included absolutely and i think this is a nice little stopping point and what we're going to do is actually have this as a two-parter and we're going to cover in the next episode you know, barking outside and just wrap up a little bit more about barking indoors and barking in general, you know, to give everyone some really great tips and hopefully ways that they can mitigate barking as much as possible, but always remembering it's communication. So um, see you guys in part two, where we cover this in even more depth. Yay. Part two, where our intro will not be barking. <laughs> see you soon. Hi there, Renee here. Just a quick and gentle reminder that this podcast, along with all social media advice, does not take the place of working with a qualified ethical professional. If you are encountering behavior concerns with your dog, getting in touch with a professional sooner rather than later can save you a lot of time, energy, and money. Not only that, but it can also save both you and your dog a whole load of stress. Getting expert, qualified advice early on means you spend less time trying different things and confusing yourself. 
If you are looking for someone to work with, I offer virtual consultations and work with clients worldwide. You can find all of my services on my website, rplusdogs.com. After all, mental health matters for dogs too.